You guys look phenomenal. Lights on, lights off, either way. Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, anyway, it's really bright in here. A couple of things. I got a couple of announcements I left off earlier, got to cover now. Um, the biggest one being this. We have this small issue. We're going to address it, get it out of the way. We'll be ready to move on. The rest of the night will be fun. At the end, raise your hand if you know what a breakout group is. It's what we do at the end every night. We sit around in circles. Okay, you put your hand back down. And we talk about things of the Lord. We talk about what we learned in the message tonight. That is probably one of the most powerful things that we do because community is built when you're sitting around in a group talking about things of the Lord. I understand that a large portion of us like to skip out on that. But this is what I need you to do. I encourage you. I'm almost begging and pleading, but I'm not getting on my knees. That you stay and you take part in the breakout groups. Because I legitimately believe that they will change your life. These adults pray for you. They prepare for these conversations for you to be there. However, if you just cannot be here with any fiber of your being, you just hate it, you've got to leave. This is what I need you to do. Once you walk out of these doors, and then once you walk out of the lobby doors, go get in your car and go home. Or either go get in your car and go hang out at Walker's. But don't hang out in the parking lot here. Reason the reason for that, because about five times a week, I get told, do you know that there's teenagers hanging out in the parking lot? Do you know that there's teenagers vaping in the parking lot? Do you know that there's teenagers doing this, 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 and this? I always want you to be here. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But if you could, if you refuse to be a part of breakout groups, if you go out in the parking lot, just get in your car and drive to Walker's. It's like 30 seconds from here. And you can hang out there all you want. And when I finish here, I'll come hang out there with you if you want. I wouldn't want that. I'm an old dude. But if you could, just not hang out in the parking lot while we're having breakout groups, if at all possible. Other than that, we're good to go. Um, remember, you can get a shirt there for sale. But if you have a Bible, open it up. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Um, Everybody has hobbies. Some of you guys like to play video games. Some of you at sports. Some of you it's things that I don't want to know. Um, I had this hobby one time when I was younger. It's really weird. I'm going to tell you about it. Um, it wasn't like picking my nose or anything like that. It's a legitimate hobby. Um, I was watching this show one time, and this dude had a metal detector, and he liked to find. He would find gold and stuff, and he was rich. So one year for Christmas, I asked for a metal detector, and I got one. And the thing is, my mom and my dad told me that before there were banks, people kept their money in coffee cans and buried them out in the yard. So what I did, we lived on like 30-something acres. I took that dang metal detector and like an Indiana Jones pouch, and I just went all over that looking for money for like six months. Sometimes it would go off, and I would lose my mind. I would dig it up. I did find a coffee can one time. There was nothing in it, no money whatsoever. Apparently, my family has always been broke. I also found some nails one time. I also found a fence post. It never made me rich. But the, the possibility of finding a treasure is fascinating. There's still there's shows that come on TV about people spending millions of dollars and hoping that they can find millions of more dollars in a treasure. I went and visited my dad like a couple months ago, and he was watching that show. And I was like, this is dumb. 20 minutes later, I was still watching the show, fascinated if they were going to find some treasure. Um, 
And that's why, like, movies with treasure hunts with pirates, they're super popular because, I mean, how awesome would it be to find a couple million dollars worth of treasure? That would be cool. I would love to do that. found a penny one time, but that's as close as I got. And it was on tail, so I didn't pick it up because I think that's bad luck or something like that. But that's what we're talking about tonight, treasure. Jack Sparrow has no part in tonight. Bruno Mars, no part in tonight. So don't expect either of those things to happen. I just thought about the Bruno Mars song and I had to get that move out. If you would have seen it with the music, it would have been awesome, okay? Dance moves without the music are not near as cool. Hey, I'm not going to say anything rude, but I had something really good right there. Back to what I was saying. We are talking about treasure tonight. I hear the song in my head. Okay, we've got to read this because I've got to get past this. Treasure. Okay. Ooh, here we go. Verse 44. This is Jesus speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and he covered it up. What is he doing? Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys the field. Real quick, the reason, that he, the, reason the dude covers it back up is because in their culture, like, they didn't have banks, so people legitimately would bury all of their, their wealth, all of their treasure. And if you were working in somebody, and like people would forget where treasure was. So if a common laborer was working in a field and found treasure, the reason that it says he found it hidden in a field and covered it up, if the guy would have picked the treasure up out of the hole by, by their law, he would have had to take in that, that treasure to the owner of the land and give it to him. But if he would have left it there and covered it up and went and bought the land, the treasure was then his. That's why, that's why he covered the treasure back up. I would have just taken it and ran, but that would have made me a thief, and they will kill you for that. Back in the day, I don't think you get killed for it anymore. You just go to jail for a little while. But I hear it's nice sometimes, depending on what jail you're in. And then it goes on in verse 45. It says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the power of it. God, I pray that you will captivate our hearts with your story tonight. God, we pray that you bring correction. God, you bring conviction. God, you bring encouragement and equipping. God, we're asking that you will draw dead hearts to life. God, encourage us. God, reveal to us that there is nothing else worth living our lives for but you. God, let us live like we love you. God, give us the heart to share the gospel. God, do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see you, ears to hear you, and hearts that are ready to believe. Father, what you want to give, we receive, and we receive what you want to give. Jesus, we're dependent on you in this place. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, what's happening in chapter 13 is Jesus is telling these, thing called, these things called parables. They're just like stories, like the two we just read. What a parable is, it's a practical story that communicates a spiritual truth. Because a lot of the people that Jesus is communicating with, they're uneducated people. So he's telling them a common story that they will understand. Like, these people would understand people who works in, work in a field and find a treasure. They get that. They would understand that there are merchants who trade pearls. That was quite a lucrative business in their culture, so they could understand this story. 
Like, if you were going to do this now, he would be telling a story that involved Instagram somehow, a story that would involve Snapchat somehow, a story that would probably involve football somehow. Like, it would be culturally relevant so we could wrap our minds around it. But the thing about it is the, the parables that we're talking about tonight, okay, listen, when I describe these parables, don't think that I'm talking about myself. They are the shortest of the par- parables, but they are also possibly the most powerful of the parables. Like I said, not describing me, I'm actually describing these stories. For real, there are people much more powerful than me. Some of you would not believe that, including myself, but it is true. But the reason that they are so powerful is they communicate the value of the gospel. They communicate the value of the kingdom of God. They communicate the value and the power of what Jesus has done and what he is including us in. And they also talk about the search, right? The dude is in the field, and then the dude is searching for a pearl. This is the thing. Whether you know it or not, all of us are searching for something. Whether you know it or not, all of us are searching for something. Maybe it's validation. Maybe it's respect. Maybe it's love. Maybe it's answers. Maybe it's a place to belong. It could be answers to the question, why am I here? Like, what was I put here to do? It could be the answer to the question, where am I going? Like, we're all searching for something. Maybe it is a way out of loneliness. Maybe it is a way out of sin. Maybe it is a way out of depression. We are all searching for something, and we try to give a name to it because we're not exactly sure what it is. But can I tell you what your heart and your soul longs to find the most? Whether you know it or not, even though you may be thinking you're looking for all these other things, what your heart and your soul is looking for is the one who created them. You're looking for Jesus. You just give it a different name. Even people who are far from God, they're constantly filling their lives with things. Even though they don't know they're looking for Jesus, that's who they're looking for. Because our hearts and our souls long for the ones who created them. And see, the thing is, when you, what Jesus is saying in these two short parables, even though it's about a treasure and about a pearl, what he's saying is when you find what you have been looking for, when you see me for the first time, you know that I'm worth losing everything else for. Jesus is saying, there is nothing else that compares to me. That seems like a big statement. That seems kind of boastful, but he can say that. We're going we're gonna to discover why in a minute. And for some of us, we know exactly what that moment is like. You've experienced Jesus. You know this is true. There's nothing else that compares to him. Like you'd stand up right now and start clapping. Yes, Jesus, you are right. I have experienced you. I've experienced what the world has to offer, and nothing else compares. And you know what I'm talking about. When you've been in like a worship service or a prayer service or just living life and you can see God at work all around you and it is the most awesome thing in the world or when you're pouring into somebody, when you're just discipling them and you're walking them through the gospel, when you're showing them, hey, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. There is nothing else better. But then there's sometimes, there was a time in your life before you got saved, you were a part of these things and you never saw God doing anything And you were wondering why people were so carried away in worship. You were wondering why people could pray so passionately. And can I tell you, it's because they saw Jesus at work before you were able to. Before he gave you eyes to see. Um, There's this line in this poem, I think it is awesome, and it kind of communicates what we're going through tonight. This lady named Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote these words. She says, earth is crammed with with heaven. Earth is crammed with heaven. And every common bush afire with God. This is referencing, you guys remember the burning bush story with Moses? 
oh gosh, we're going to have to cover that before long. That's only like 40%. But she's saying, earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. This is where it gets beautiful. But only he who takes off his shoes, but only he who sees takes off his shoes, the rest sit around and pluck the blackberries. One more time, because it is kind of confusing. The earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck its blackberries. What she's saying is God is all around us. And some of us see it and we marvel and we worship him and we enjoy him and we know that he is greater than all the world has to offer. And some of us, we are missing God all around us and we're just hanging out. Wondering what the big deal is all about. I'll go to church, but I'm not going to surrender everything to Jesus because I don't really see the point yet. And my prayer tonight is that some of us in this room will finally see Jesus for who he is for the first time. We'll understand his value. And you'll let go of all things so that you can pursue him with your whole heart. Because when you genuinely experience the grace of Jesus, you can't help but take hold of him. But this is the thing. You can't take hold of Jesus and hold on to sin at the same time. You can't take hold of Jesus and hold on to sin at the same time. You can't take hold of Jesus and hold on to your past at the same time. You can't take hold of Jesus and hold on to your regret. You can't take hold of Jesus and hold on to your shame. You can't take hold of Jesus and hold on to the control of your life. Because whether you know this or not, you're not in control of your life anyway. At all. You're under this misconception that you are, but you're not. Because this is the thing. Jesus is so intense. Jesus is so set on a mission that you're going to have to hold on with both hands or you are going to let go. You've got to take hold of him with both hands or you're not going to be able to hold on. We talk about his love being fierce. This, th this fierce thing has a power. You've got to hold on with both hands. I don't know if you've ever held my kid before. It takes two hands. Because that thing is wild. She was here earlier. I think she knocked down a wall. Like Jesus is so intense about what he's doing. You're going to have to take hold with both hands. You can't hold on to anything else. You're going to have to let go of some things so that you can pursue him with everything. That's what he's talking about in these parables. I'm worth letting go of everything else. And a lot of times we don't, a lot of times we keep a hand on things in the past because we don't 100% trust Jesus with our future. We don't trust that he is as good as he says he is. We don't trust that he is making all things work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. I'm hoping that some of us will let go of some things tonight so that we can fully take hold of Jesus and do the things that he's calling us to do. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to go in scripture to somebody who did believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And we're going to look at how those things turned out for him. There's this dude named Paul. You ever heard of Paul? Raise your hand. Okay, not the burning bush, but you got Paul. If you raise your hand for a dude named Paul that you know at school, this is not him. Clearly not. Um, Paul was quite, you could call him successful in the church. He wrote a couple of letters. They ended up in this thing we call a Bible. Um, he was writing to, uh, he wrote a letter. It's called Philippians. And this is what it says in chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Because see, Paul is a guy who experienced Jesus. He actually legitimately, he like ran into him on the road. It was phenomenal. Best wreck you could ever have. Fell right off the donkey. 
But this is the thing. He experienced Jesus, and he let go of everything else in his life. And this is how he characterizes coming to know God. He says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. This is what Paul is saying. He said, when I came to know Jesus, everything else was counted as lost to me. When I came to know Jesus, nothing else mattered. Yes, family is important. Relationships are important. Going to school, going to work, all those things are important. But Jesus is above all else in life. Paul is saying, no matter what else I have accomplished in the past, what I will accomplish in the future, it means absolutely nothing when in comparison to Jesus. He is saying Jesus is better than all the world has to offer. Jesus is greater than all the world has to offer. The reason that he is saying that because he goes on to talk about the hope of being righteous and the hope of taking part in the resurrection of the dead. He's saying the reason that these things of God, the reason that Jesus is so much better and so much greater because nothing else can give you the hope of righteousness. Nothing else can give you the hope of resurrection from the dead, which is eternal life. And not only can Jesus give you the hope, he is the guarantee. We know that because he walked out of the grave. Paul is saying nothing else matters. There is nothing else that you need to give your life to. There's nothing else that you need to live your life for because none of that can make you righteous. None of that can make you whole. None of that can give you a hope. This is what Paul is saying when he's trying to communicate to these people. You are trying to reach out and hold on to Jesus with one hand and it is not going to work out. It's going to take both hands. You're going to have to let some things go. Jesus cannot be your part-time love. He has to be the treasure of your heart. The absolute treasure. He needs, he demands all of you. He needs absolutely nothing. But he demands every bit of you. You want to know why your life lacks spiritual power? You want to know why you lack passion when it comes to prayer, when it comes to studying the Word, when it comes to worship? Because usually at best, we're reaching out with one hand and we're not even holding on with all the fingers. And it's because Jesus is not the treasure of our heart. He's just an inconvenient obligation. It's because Jesus is not the treasure of our heart. He is an inconvenient obligation. We will go to church, we will stay away from the big sins, but my gosh, I'm going to hold on to the rest of my life because I want it. And what Jesus is communicating in this parable, what Paul is communicating now, Jesus came for all of you. Hey, can you mute that buzz? Thank you. I think it's the acoustic guitar. Could be the bass. Anyway... But if you've, re- if you've realized the past several weeks, or if you just read your Bible, like Jesus is always making these massive demands, right? He's saying, if anybody wishes to follow after me, you should hate his mother and his father. That's a pretty big demand. If anyone wishes to come after me or wishes to be my disciple, should deny himself, take up his cross and come after me. That's a slightly big command. If anyone wishes to be my disciple, he should renounce all things. Wouldn't you not say that's a pretty big demand? That's not like a casual thing that's like, 
you're going to have to renounce all things and hate your mom and your dad. And remember, we talked about that positionally in comparison to him, Jesus is above all. Like, why can Jesus make such demands of us? Like, no one else can do that. Hey, you want to be my friend? Drop all you have. Come after me. I'm going to hit you in the face. Don't do that. It's sinful, I'm sure. Besides being God, why can Jesus make these kind of commands? I'm glad that you're asking. Open your Bible up to 2 Peter chapter 2. Peter's communicating to a group of people. And he is about to tell them something about why they should give God their complete devotion. And he's going to reference something that is happening in the Old Testament. And we are going to flip there as well. He says this in chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. He says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This sounds awesome. Just by itself, it sounds awesome. But what, what Peter is communicating here is he is pointing them back to a promise that God makes in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. And we're going to read it as well. It says this. It says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to, a, to be a people, his treasured possession. Like what he's saying is... Peter is saying the promise that God made for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament now stands true for you today through what Jesus did on the cross. We know that in his word, we are God's treasured possession. We are back on treasure. There's a reason that we are here. Jesus is not asking you to do something that he has not done himself. What did Jesus do to take possession of his treasure? Does anybody know? If we are his treasured possession, what did, he, what did he do to take hold of us? Anybody know? He died. He let go of all things. We kind of said that with a little bit of zero energy whatsoever. The only reason I say that is because if he had not done it, we are separated him forever going to this place called hell. It's miserable, but hey, if we don't want to get excited about it, that's okay with me. He let go of everything. Like, it cost Jesus everything. He did not reach down with one hand to pick you up out of your sin. He stepped completely out of heaven, was wrapped in flesh, came into our mess, and became and was perfect where we could not be. This is the theme. He left the company of angels. He left the throne of heaven. He left glory. He left his Father. He left all of these things. He left them all behind. So that he may take possession of us and we could become his treasure. He is not asking us to do anything that he has not done himself. This is why he can boldly make these professions. Hey, you're going to have to let go of everything else and completely take hold of me. Hey, you're going to have to let go of everything else and completely pursue me. I demand to be the treasure of your life because I gave everything so that you could be the treasure of mine. This is what happens in 2 Corinthians 5.21. We talk about this all the time. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus let go of everything so that he may take hold of us, his treasured possession. 
That is why he can ask us to do those things. That's why he can make those kind of demands. And if you look again at Matthew 13, 44, it says, it says the dude who was in the field and found the treasure, it says with great joy he went and sold all that he had to purchase the field. And then in Hebrews 12, 2, it says this, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It was with great joy that Jesus stepped out of heaven. It was with great joy that he left the presence of angels. It was with great joy that he stepped out of glory. It was with great joy that he went to Jerusalem. It was with great joy that he was beaten. It was with great joy that he carried the cross. It was with great joy that he was mocked. It was with great joy that he hung on the cross and died so that he could take possession of you, his treasure, and he could bring honor and glory to the Father. What else are you going to give your life to? What else is worthy of all of you? Because nothing else can give you hope. Nothing else can give you peace. Nothing else can give you... Like, do you understand that our value, our identity, our worth comes from Jesus and what he did on the cross? Because it says we are his treasured possession. That is what gives us value. Listen, I don't know. I can tell by some of you social media activity that you get your worth by what people say and do on there. I don't know where you're getting your worth or your value from, but I can guarantee you this, if, if it is from anywhere besides Jesus, it is constantly going to leave you disappointed or compromising who you really are because you're going to bend and do whatever is necessary for them to give you value. Your value, your worth alone comes from Jesus on the cross and him taking possession of you as his treasure. It's not coming from anywhere else. But so often, we find our value in a relationship. We find uh, our value in our social status or our popularity. We find our value in making other people happy, which none of that can be sustained because none of that can truly give you value. Your value comes from knowing that God loves you so much that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life you could not. He died on the cross to pay your sin debt, and then he rose again three days later, and he says, if you will choose to believe in me and pursue me with all of your heart, not only will you have eternal life, but I can use you for the kingdom while you are still here. He's greater than all the world has to offer. And whether you know it or not, repeating what we said earlier, he is everything that your heart has been searching for. He's everything your heart searches for. So we're going to wrap this thing up quick. Ty's about to come back up here. We're going to have a moment of time, a moment of worship, a moment of prayer. If you're taking notes, you can stop. We're, I'm, we are finished giving anything noteworthy. This is between you and God now. I want you everybody to close their eyes because we're about to enter into a state of prayer. You can pray at your seat. You can come to the altar. It does not matter. Is Jesus the treasure of your heart? Is Jesus everything to you? Are you holding on with both hands? Is he where you find your value? Is he where you find your worth? Your identity.
Do you understand that he can make these claims, that he desires and demands your complete devotion and everything for you because he gave everything for you? And whether you know it or not, your heart is searching for God. And he's constantly saying, come to me. If you're questioning whether God can save you, all you got to do is look at the cross. If you're questioning, does God want to save you? All you got to do is look at the cross. But I'm going to pray for us. And I genuinely want to search your heart and to pray to God and be able to live, leave this place with peace saying, yes, Jesus, you are the treasure of my heart or repent of having something else as the treasure and start pursuing after him. Look, if you've got questions about salvation, you can come find me. You can come find any adult in the room and we will talk our hearts out. But some of us, we lack passion because Jesus is in our treasure. Some of us, we lack, pow we lack power in our prayer life and our worship because Jesus is not the, passion, the treasure of our hearts. But after I pray, if you want to come to the altar and pray, that's awesome. If you want to come pray for one another, that's awesome too. If you want to pray where you are, that's awesome too. You can stand up and start singing when you're ready to. We can stay here all night if you'd like. God, it'd be cool. God, thank you for how you love us.